And welcome back to another edition of WeatherWise here at 47 ABC WMDT. I'm Chief Meteorologist Rich Wurzik. I'm here with meteorologist Sloan Haynes, who just got back from what looks like it was an awesome trip. It was. It was a great trip. Went up to Boston. And I have to say, from a weather point of view, it was warm. And I will say it was very warm in Boston. But the humidity, like the lack thereof, amazing. Non-existent. Great. I said, this is what I need. Maybe I should move <laughs> there. But then I thought about their winters and said, I don't think I can. But I was watching um, their ABC station there, actually, in the morning. And they were talking about how they've only had one 90-degree day this summer. Oh, wow. One. I bet they're complaining about that, And they're forecasted that, right? to have their second day, I believe, today on this Wednesday and stay in the 90s through the weekend. And a lot of places there don't have air conditioning because right? of how far north they are. But then I thought to myself, you know, 90 degrees is nothing compared to like the 97, 98 that we're going to see for parts of Delmarva as we finish out this week. And you're talking about a lot of heat, uh, in, you know, with re with respect mm. to the East Coast. And you mm. bring up a really good point in New England, places like that. You know, they enjoy the comforts of uh, very nice summers. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and it's all based on what you're used to, if you will. It's all yes. relative, right? So for us, it's great. To them, anything above 80, mid-80s, a little bit of humidity oh. is a little warm. But like you said, with the winters, there's mm -hmm. your trade-off, too. They deal with something that here in Delmarva, we don't usually ever have to deal with. Once in a while, we get our snow. Yes. But their, I their winters deal with that. are, yeah. That wouldn't be my snow. Right. And <laughs> although maybe some snow would be nice this week with the heat we're having. <laughs> you know, I'll take, you know, just from a straight leg, it has nothing to do with being a meteorologist. I, I'm with you on that. I would take a little bit of snow. I think anybody would take a little mm -hmm. bit of snow at this point with how warm it is. And you're talking, we're talking about heat indices well above 100 here yes. for a couple of days. And uh, you're looking at the weekend forecast. I know that uh, you just got done doing the forecast here from the morning show. We I did. By the way, we record this in the studios here at WMDT. So a Sloan, just a few hours off of the morning show. What are you seeing going into the weekend and the next week? Hot. With a capital <laughs> H-O-T. Right. Hot and humid. It is not really going to get any better. Uh, in your email to me, you wrote, Monday looks a little better. Just we'll a little be bit. in the right. low 90s. <laughs> okay, you could say that going from like 95 on Sunday to like 92 on Monday is a right. little better, but not when it's so humid that you can feel the air around you. I just have to say happy Delaware State Fair week, Rich, yes. because this is this is the I'm hottest excited. week of the summer. <laughs> That's what you were telling me before I started yeah. here. That's I you think thought the first I was thing kidding. You're you like, oh, she's just making a joke. Ha ha ha. This is the no, hottest part I of the year. Right. <laughs> well, um, and right on target right because uh, mm -hmm. we kick off the Delaware State Fair tomorrow yes. right um, and we are looking at dangerously hot conditions yes um, so hydrating obviously is the key mm -hmm. but um, I'm sure several opportunities for that at the fair thankfully because of all the booths that are going to be up yeah. there you'll find me at the lemonade stand you'll find me getting a milkshake yes. you'll find me you know the fried ice cream best of both worlds oh there. that sounds so good <laughs> so you're giving me ideas here on what I need to uh, check out at the fair we're going to be at the fair and mm. you are a um, a fair veteran at this point. Yes. You want to give everybody an idea what to expect at the Delaware State Fair? There's so much to do. Personally, I love animals, so the livestock, they're all out there, especially the cows. I think they're so cute. So I walk around there, but I am a fair food fan, so I always have to get a fried Oreo. I have to get, they do really good barbecue at the fair. Oh, if you that like sounds barbecue, so good. there's so many trucks. Rumor has it there's a vegetarian food truck stand, so I'm going to try to check them out and well, see something a little different. Um, I'll be doing Foodie Friday at the fair on Thursday, filming the day beforehand, so if anybody has any recommendations for what I need to check out tomorrow, they can always let me know. 
There you go. Weather at WMDT.com. Let Sloan know any recommendations you have at the Delaware State Fair. We're going to be live up there. Um, yourself, me, um, Ulysses Garcia, and the rest of the uh, 47 ABC mm -hmm. team is going to be up there live each day, broadcasting live, mm -hmm. but also hanging out, talking to people, enjoying the fair. I think it's that time of the year where we all can come together um, yes. for the state of Delaware. It's a really neat thing. And I'm yes. excited. It'll be my first time to go up yes. there. I've heard about the fair. Your I've just never been. Your first time at the fair. Right. Are you uh, excited for anything particular? I am or? excited for the food because that's all I've been hearing about. Yes. And I've been told by everybody that that is exactly what I need to focus on at first is mm. the food. The people are great. I've heard that uh, we really get to meet a lot of the community yes. up there and a lot of the uh, loyal 47 ABC uh, Storm Team watchers and you know a lot of people that we sometimes hear from on the phone or emails mm. from with storm reports, but we haven't met in person, so I'm excited for that. I'm also excited for, I think, the first night they kick off with a concert there, too. Yes, quite a few concerts. I believe Sam Hunt will be there this week or next week, rather. Very excited about that. I like country music, but also Nelly is going to be there. That, I heard so, that. That's great. They have a little something for great. everybody huge, out there at the Delaware State Fair this year. Right. Truly. Hailstorm on the yes. rock side is coming there. I'm excited for that. I'm a hard rocker, Yes. by the way. And um, I can't wait for them to uh, hit the stage there. But even with Nelly, yes. just hearing these big names coming, you know you know it's a big deal, right? Yes. You know, if they're all going to be coming out to Delaware to enjoy the, the fair with us, it's, it's good to hear that. And it's mm -hmm. great for Del Mar. It's great for Del Marva that mm. we're having all this fun and some of these big acts coming in because I think we've got a lot to offer here in the peninsula. It's kind of exactly. a uh, retreat from the Philadelphia, D.C., Baltimore mm -hmm. metro areas. Not that those aren't great. but It's a it's, perfect stop on your way to the beach, too. Yes. To stop at the Delaware State Fair for a little bit. Cool down, enjoy some food, some music, activities. They have a lot of activities for the full family, too. So a lot to do. And there's a lot to do indoors. So a break from the heat. Yes, a break from the heat is, is and, and they have a lot of spots up there set up yes. for that from what I've been reading and hearing. That's good to know because we're going to need it. And it's not just here in Delmarva mm -mm. Um, experiencing the heat, Sloan. Uh, it's elsewhere, right? Yes, we are seeing record heat around um, Europe right now. And it's not even it's record breaking heat, it's deadly heat where there has been hundreds of deaths recorded from this heat. Um, a lot of places in Europe also um, don't have as strong of air conditioning as we do, if they have any at all at some places. So Spain, I know, has recorded, I believe, around 100 deaths so far from this heat. And it's hot. London uh, did set its record highest temperature on Tuesday. So temperatures there aren't expected to cool down anytime either, like here on Delmarva. I don't know if you've seen the pictures circulating of, you know, the Queen's Guard dressed out there in front of the castle. Right. And they wear those long sleeve like wool outfits all year. There's one guard dedicated to stand behind each of the guards who are out there in the sun to give them water while they're standing there. I did see that. So they're t doing everything for, you know, to stay hydrated, to keep these workers safe who are out there in these conditions. You've, there's been a lot of people I know in Europe who don't typically take their holiday this early. They wait until August to go on what they do their month-long vacations for, who I've seen going to the beaches now because they want to cool off now. Right. So there's been a lot of heat everywhere, but it, unfortunately, the heat in Europe has turned deadly. People have been dying from it. And the best thing to do, no matter where you are in the world, is to always make sure you're staying hydrated, limiting your time outside, and of course, enjoying air conditioning when or if you can, and checking on those around you if they don't have air conditioning or vulnerable populations like the elderly 
And my biggest tip of all is never to leave a child or a pet inside a car because that is like an oven. It just continues to get hotter. And that's great advice and a great thing to remember, um, a very important thing mm -hmm. I should say to remember uh, for sure. And, you know, just to piggyback off what you were talking about with Europe, I was actually there four summers ago, summer of 2018, and when at that time hot. they were breaking records yes. then. I was in England for a friend's wedding, and then I, uh, with uh, my family, went to visit my cousin in Slovakia. So we mm. were in two parts of uh, Europe there that was experiencing record-breaking heat at the time. You brought mm. a really good point about the HVAC situation there. The air conditioning units that they do have in these places, just they're not built to handle no. that type of heat. And in that case, too, having to take the water out of the air, the humidity, to be able to cool that heat down. Mm -hmm just it's just they don't they don't have that processing capability that we do here yeah. with our HVAC system so I remember being over there and I remember um, because the comforts of living here being like incredibly uncomfortable yes. it's like where's your AC and they're like oh it's been cranked up or oh it's broken mm -hmm. because we you know it, we used it for the past week and it's not working yeah. anymore but it just, gets hot over there yeah I remember studying abroad there in my apartment did, and it was in the summertime too did, didn't have air conditioning and it was so hot. My roommates and I, we bought a fan, set it up to blow in from one of the windows. Because <laughs> we're like, it is so hot out there. But they also do get a little humid out there too. So they do. it's yeah. also the heat and the humidity out there, like for us here on Delmarva. But, you know, we had the heat over the weekend a little bit for us here on Delmarva. But Rich was here. Well, in town, rather. And there were some storms that brought flash flooding to the area. Yeah, it was one of two severe weather events that, uh, since we last spoke in the podcast, mm -hmm. uh, that we've had here in the area. And Salisbury, kind of a unique situation that we talk about anytime there's a risk of um, severe weather. Your classic straight-line winds, possible tornado, uh, the hail, even the lightning threat. But the flooding threat is something that I think it's it's harder to convey in these situations the magnitude of what can happen because it's such a small-scale event. Mm -hmm. We had thunderstorms move into the Salisbury area Saturday evening. And for a lot of you who are listening here in Delmarva, you may have not experienced much of this at all in the way of any rain because this was such a small-scale event. We had these cells of storms redeveloping over the same areas of Salisbury Metro. Um, and I was actually in the southern part of the city near the university kind of looking at the storm, looking at the shelf cloud that it was you know, producing from the cool outdraft and kind of just you know, marveling at the sight of the storm. And then I'm getting these alerts on my phone about the flash flooding and, and I looked at the radar estimates and very quickly, radar estimated totals of you know, four, five, six plus inches of mm -hmm. rain on the northeast side of town. And then I'm hearing about cars that were underwater, people stranded. Um, even I got a chance after the storm was over, I went over into some of those areas and I even posted a reel on Instagram showing some of the flooding in the, in the streets in um, the city of Salisbury. And it was just amazing mm. to go from one part of town a few miles away that maybe recorded a half inch of rain to seeing that. And we also had reports of that just outside of Delmar too, five, five and a half inches of uh, radar estimated rain, where the rest of Delmarva picked up maybe a quick downpour, but it was it was the the sort mm -hmm. of thing that's so small scale that even people in Salisbury proper uh, were kind of amazed to know mm -hmm. that that was going on because outside their doorstep, they weren't seeing that yep. through those storms. Definitely um, very impressive. I know you were talking about one of our uh, co-workers here, Sarah Ash, was caught within those storms as well. And you and I were talking about it earlier, how for us as meteorologists, when we see, you know, floodwaters, we're like, we're amazed. We should be the only people amazed by the floodwaters. Right. Because I remember back in college, we were learning about, you know, 
flash flooding and everything, you know, all the, the meteorological stuff. But one thing that stood out to me is I think it only takes like six inches of water for a car to float. And I believe it only takes about like six inches of water also for like a house to really have water damage. So that's, that's really, not a lot. That's when not you think a about lot. It. It's not a lot, especially for smaller cars. We always say like turn around, don't drown with like that heavy rainfall leading to some flooding on, especially you're saying on the north side of town. So when you see it, it's not the best idea to drive into it, no matter how large your car is, because either way, something will happen. You'll be stuck maybe, or struggling to move through it, or your car starts floating and it's not really safe for you, anybody around you, anybody in the car with you. And that's, you bring up a good point too about just the small volume of water it takes mm -hmm. to move a car and just how safe it is by, you don't know, you know how deep it is or what's under there. The Salisbury Fire Department put out a Facebook post during the flash flooding that I thought was great advice. You, you, even in the city where you think there are no creeks or rivers nearby mm. or any type of <clears throat> waterway that you would think would be your classic rushing of water, you can't drive over these high water areas if you don't know how deep it is because you don't know if it's a drainage situation mm -hmm. that uh, there's rushing water underneath that your car can be caught in. You can be taken underwater in these very small scale situations in an urban flooding scenario. Um, so that it, it just adds to the danger and the complexity of it because again, flash flooding is happening over areas that typically do not see flooding. Um, <clears throat> you wouldn't expect to see that if you're nowhere near a mm -hmm. tributary. And that's what makes it extra dangerous, not knowing what's going on underneath that mm -hmm. high water. Or even what's underneath <clears throat> the water because you don't know, maybe it was a windy event, there's power lines exactly. there or something. So there's a lot of other concerns other than your car floating that we think about when we tell you turn around don't drown because it's not just the water that can be hazardous. Right, right. And thankfully, from what we've heard, there were uh, no injuries reported. Um, we did hear about some people being stranded, mm -hmm. some cars that were washed out a bit, but thankfully those waters mm -hmm. receded. And we haven't heard anything else as far as that type of flooding event. We've been tracking your typical mm -hmm. severe weather. But the other severe weather event that we had a couple days before that, um, earlier in the week, was a Tuesday evening. Uh, we had severe storms crossing the northern part of Delmarva, and in particular, a lot of storm damage out of the Caroline County area, mm -hmm. Maryland, just uh, outside of Denton, and into Kent County, outside of Harrington. Yes, it was the micro, the macro burst. The macro burst, yes, right. which is different <clears throat> than a micro burst in terms of the area. I believe for a macro burst, it's two and a half miles increase in area compared to the micro burst. Something along those yes, lines. Yes, you're right about that. And you, you bring up the, you know, the idea here that there is that difference between a macroburst and a microburst. And mm -hmm. we typically in the weather world use the term microburst because they're so similar. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'll, I'll go ahead and define it for people listening because I've had a lot of questions about that. When it was officially from the National Weather Service de uh, defined as a macroburst that happened from Denton into Harrington. And basically you start with what, what is a microburst? And it's just a small area of wind, a downburst of wind from a thunderstorm that hits the ground mm -hmm. and spreads out and causes straight line wind damage. And the macrobursts are typically, like you said, a little larger uh, than a microburst. So basically the same idea, the wind coming out of the storm, hitting the ground, spreading out. You said the outflow is less than two and a half miles. And, you know, just like a microburst, a macrobursts only lasts for about two to five minutes mm -hmm. as the storm is moving. And we saw that. But what I thought was amazing was the type of damage that was created. Mm -hmm. We saw, I, I went up and surveyed some of it outside of Denton, the Caroline Country Club, and there was a lot of snap trees mm -hmm. and there was some um, damage to the property of the Country Club. But going over on the Delaware side, outside of Harrington, one street in particular, 
there was a roof ripped off of a barn, a hay barn, and it was sent across the street. And I remember actually talking to chief, our chief photographer, Mike Lawrence, about this too, about how amazing it was to see that that damage from that barn basically was taken into a house on the other side of the street. And some of the wood from the, wood, wood from the uh, roof of the barn impaled the house, mm-hmm. wood impaling concrete, which is amazing to see in person because you're like, how did it, it had to be a tornado that did that. And it wasn't a tornado, but it was wind speeds comparable to mm-hmm. an EF1 tornado. And 110 miles per hour was the estimated wind speed wow. at that point in Kent County. And that allowed those uh, pieces of wood basically to be sent into the siding and the concrete mm-hmm. of this house. Thankfully, nobody was injured, but it looked like uh, mm-hmm. a bomb went off, essentially. Yes. And for people who are wondering about, you know, microburst, macroburst, comparing it to tornado wind speeds is that the same scientist, the same meteorologist who did the Fujiwara scale, um, he also was studying why were these planes <coughs> crashing back in the 70s, the 80s, even the early 90s, and it was because back then they didn't know what these microbursts and macrobursts were and it's really just like a down push of weather so a down push of winds of rain sometimes even of hail and that's enough pressure to cause you know something that's in the sky to be pushed to the ground as well so that's how those were actually discovered just a fun little nerdy tidbit about that and but it was an amazing discovery too Mm -hmm. because it changed the it changed the way that uh, meteorologists and people in the aviation industry how planes fly now so yep how they view the strict altitude they fly at and everything for the most part so well that discovery saved a lot of people's lives uh and and it changed the perception on you know when it was Mm. appropriate to fly like you said and that actually goes into a lot of severe thunderstorm warnings and how those are uh, Mm. issued now from the national weather service with that idea Mm. of that these straight line wind events these downburst wind events can affect aviation um Mm -hmm. and it's worth noting too we're talking about microbursts and macrobursts the larger scale straight line wind events that we sometimes see from storms can become as large as what we would call a derecho, which is a long form mm-hmm. straight line downburst-ish wind effect, a wind event that can travel, <clears throat> excuse me, many, many miles mm-hmm. across the area. And we did not see that with this storm. This was so localized. But um, just, you know, an important thing to remember, we have a severe thunderstorm warning and we're talking about the chance for damaging winds. It can be so confined, like that flash flooding incident in Salisbury, same idea. Denton mm-hmm. over to Harrington, we had, uh, hurricane force, tornado force, wind damage from that macroburst. But if you went maybe even a few hundred yards from the damage path in either direction, there weren't even any twigs snapped off the trees, mm. let alone any damage. So um, it was it was a sight to see up there. Um, and it's an important reminder here in Delmarva that we do get this type of severe mm. weather. It's a little less populated out here. So sometimes these events happen over open fields and nobody thinks about it because it didn't cause any damage locally, mm. but they happen more often mm. than I think we realize around here. So yep. always important, severe thunderstorm warning, treat it like there's the possibility that a tornado-like wind event could happen in it as we saw mm. um, in Kent County and Caroline County. But um, a lot going on, Sloan. Yeah. I think we're wrapping up here with yep. our time here. This is another edition of WeatherWise, and I'm excited for the fair. I know you're excited yes. for the fair, and if you're listening out there, you'll find love me to in the air it. conditioning. There you go. You'll find <laughs> Sloan in the air conditioning. You're probably going to find me in there too, because yeah. at this point, I, I'm going to get up there. I'm going to figure out where you're all going right away, so we yeah. can stay cool. But <laughs> I'm going to follow you too to find the food. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's my next uh, step when I go up there. But uh, 
Uh, in any event, we'd love to hear from you anytime. And like Sloan said earlier, if you've got some food you think she needs to try out at the fair, email us anything you want to talk about in general, weather at WMDT.com. For Sloan Haynes, I'm Rich Wurzik. This is another edition. Thank you for listening, by the way, to another edition of WeatherWise here from 47ABC, WMDT.